This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Thursday, June 8th. And smoke is very much a part of the day. There will be smoke today, possibly the worst day that we've had this week. Also, in terms of weather, cloudy, slight chance of showers this afternoon, maybe a thunderstorm, and a high of 19 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, today is expected to be the worst day for wildfire smoke in Toronto. Number two, City Hall hopeful Mark Saunders coordinates an attack on frontrunner Olivia Chow. Number three, astonishment as the man who threatened the mayoral candidates is out on bail. Number four, gas prices are going up tonight. And number five, the Canadian Open begins today. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Well, happy Thursday to you, or a smoky Thursday to you. 5.08 is the time, it's 15 degrees, and the predictions are that today could be the worst day that we've had so far for smoke coming in from those wildfires. And frankly, I, you know, this is entirely my own nose witness account. I stepped out of the house this morning and I didn't smell the smoke. There were a couple of times yesterday. I find it really interesting. I wonder if you've had the same experience where, you know, I would uh, stare down one street and things looked fairly clear. And then I'd stare down another street and I couldn't see to the next intersection. And I don't know if that's about, you know, air vectors or whatever you might want to say. But if you've seen the images from New York City, That is just uh, crazy. And I'd have to look at some sort of a global map or a North American map at the very least to understand why New York would be suffering that much from the Quebec wildfires while we're, you know, we are definitely affected. But I mean, New York City, it's just the air is yellow. More, more yellow than usual, I guess, in some cases. So I have some relatives and friends uh, in New York, and I got a couple of text messages from relatives saying, are you okay? But some of my friends said, what's going on up there in Canada? What do you guys do? Don't you have it under control? I'm like, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, because yesterday it really wasn't all that bad. But I can tell you, and he's no screaming Mimi, but uh, meteorologist Bill Coulter and I play golf every Thursday afternoon. And he texted me yesterday and said, there is no freaking way I'm going to play golf on Thursday afternoon. Afternoon, so I had to break that news to our friends at uh, Flemington. Not that they're necessarily going to miss our freeloading, but uh, yeah, I mean the the fallout to all of this is uh, fairly extraordinary, and I'm also somewhat mindful of the fact, you know, having been through the collective misery of COVID. And now it it just seems we live in a permanent state of collective anxiety and catastrophe because now we got the forest fires. Uh, But Joe Cristiano, you were getting photographs from friends and relatives in New York City that uh, you showed me some pretty calamitous looking images. I mean, it looks like the filter you would use in a movie to describe Mexico or something like that. It's that kind of shade. Yeah, it's really it's a Pedro Pascal movie. Uh, It's... uh, It looks fairly disastrous. So um, I don't know what more to say about that, except that obviously the advice from a lot of people is that if you don't have to be outside, then don't be outside. Um, It helps to have 
air filtration systems in the house. And kids today, for example, there's uh, probably not going to be much outdoor activity at school either. It's not, you know, let's not press the panic button necessarily. And I texted a friend yesterday who has lung ailments, and I said, how is this affecting you? And what he said was, I go out in the early morning hours when it's not so bad, and I carry a puffer, but so far it hasn't been terrible. So um, I don't know what, Nick Marano, I don't know what there is to add to this aside from the fact that it's smoky outside and I guess it's going to be smoky outside for another few days and today is apparently one of the one of the worst days. So I uh, have slight asthma and um, it hasn't been too bad so far but I always have a puffer on me just in case. Yeah. But I do know uh, other people who have a uh, more severe case of asthma and they're having trouble these past couple of days. Are they? And it, what an awful situation where there's no real way to avoid it. I mean, you can stay inside, you can close the windows, you can turn on filtration systems and stuff like that. But effectively, yeah, people with lung ailments are in a petri, not a petri dish, but a sol- what, solarium, terranium, whatever the heck it is, uh, bell jar. They're just kind of trapped with this crap air. So interesting development that is going to happen in real time this morning. And I realize this is completely political, but worth reporting nonetheless. I mean, the mayor's race is coming down to the final laps. And apparently today, Mark Saunders, former chief of police, is going to declare war on Olivia Chow. And what he's hoping is all the other candidates are going to join him. And so it's going to turn into kind of a schoolyard situation where they're all going to go after (laughs) the head boy. Um, So Mark Saunders is scheduled to appear on our sister television station, CP24, Our anticipation is that because he's in the campus, he's going to come over here and pop into studio. And like I said, I fully appreciate this is entirely political and tactitious, but it's interesting nonetheless, because I was saying earlier this week, I don't quite understand why Olivia Chow is the standout leader in all of this. It's not that I have anything against Olivia Chow, it's just that I was not aware of that level of abiding popularity. And I know very, very few people who are telling me, Olivia Chow's the one. I'm voting for Olivia Chow. She's, and yet, you know, she's at like 35% versus Mark Saunders runner up. I think in the most recent poll, it was like 12%. So we've reached a kind of do or die juncture in this election campaign where, you know, you you get into Hail Marys and all kinds of other things because, you know, you're going to lose, so you might as well try something. So Mark Saunders is kind of, I mean, what's the the website? I think it's stopchow.ca. And so they're going to throw everything they've got at her. Kind of reminds me, there's a silent film with Buster Keaton where he... If I remember correctly, he accidentally triggers a cannon. The cannon's about to go off and it faces him. And he finally gets to this point where he just picks up a piece of straw and throws it at the cannon. And I think that's kind of where we are in this election campaign. Speaking of the election in a related story, and we'll certainly be talking about this. I know they talked about it on um, other shows yesterday afternoon, but the Toronto man 
who's alleged to have threatened to shoot one or more mayoral candidates, released on bail yesterday. Now, there were some conditions. We'll talk about that in greater detail in just a moment. But I think for a lot of people, that is a say what moment. And actually, one of the other topics I would definitely raise with Mark Saunders when he's in studio, should he come for a visit today? Because, you know, as the former chief of police, he would know a thing or two. I have to say, uh, Mitzi Hunter yesterday, uh, I'm not sure she understands the structure of how the corrections and judicial system works because she was blaming all the wrong people for setting this guy free. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And I have to wonder if the smoke is going to affect the Canadian Open. I guess, you know, we'll know shortly. All I can tell you is, I mean, Bill Coulter's whole business is meteorology, so he knows a thing or two about weather, wind vectors, and smoke. And uh, he decided he did not want to be out on a golf course this afternoon, so we called all that off, which I find bitterly disappointing because summer is all too short. But if I can't some, find somebody to play with, and also if somebody thinks that we're going to you know, end up in some kind of uh, trouble if we're spending time outdoors today, then I'll take his word for it. So uh, the Toronto man who allegedly threatened to shoot mayoral candidates has been released on bail with conditions. It informs the discussion. I mean, it seems fairly clear that this is somebody with some mental health issues. The weapon involved was a pellet gun. Doesn't matter, though. It was still a firearm of a form. And on Wednesday, the Ontario Court of Justice released him. Junior Francis Francois Lavages is 29 years old. And the conditions of his release are that he reside with his surety in Scarborough. He's under house arrest unless he's with his surety or there were two other people named in a court document. He's got to be in the company of somebody at all hours in order to conform with his bail conditions. The real problem would be that almost nobody ever checks on this kind of thing. I mean, honestly, when I'll never forget all the craziness that we went through during COVID. My brother would come over from Europe because he wanted to see his granddaughters. And he would stay for two weeks in an Airbnb in order to spend two weeks visiting with his daughter, her husband, and um, his granddaughters. And somebody would come knocking on the door at the Airbnb to make sure that he was there. You know, we would talk and he would say, I, you know, I'm thinking I'm, he's a very sporty guy. He said, I'm thinking of going for a run at like two o'clock in the morning. And I said, okay, well, you can do that. But if somebody comes for a home inspection, you're going to be in some pretty serious trouble if you do that. I still don't know if he did it because, you know, I didn't want to be aiding and abetting. Um... But, yeah, back to how we enforced COVID restrictions, and yet I don't know that anybody's going to go check on this guy. Now, I don't know how serious a threat he was, but apprehended violence and apprehended terrorism is, is always kind of a, I won't say disappointment, but, you know, it's one thing to pull off an attack on a political figure. It's another to have somebody randomly wielding a pellet gun on a street corner and saying, I'm going to kill somebody who's running for mayor, allegedly. So we'll see when we get there. But Nick, actually, throw in uh, number 16, this is Brad Bradford, 
talking about how a guy, you know, ends up out on bail, even if he's threatening political figures. This is nothing new. In fact, the, the gentleman had a number of priors, including sexual assault, but it's emblematic of a story that happens time and time again across the city. Violent offenders are out on bail in our communities, and there are very few checks and balances to keep folks safe. And yeah, it is worth bearing in mind. I've been to my share of uh, arraignments and bail hearings, but when you have a previous record, you quite often do not get bail. But in this case, the guy got bail. Uh, Chris Lewis, former commissioner of the OPP, says, yeah, sure, it was a pellet gun, but again, the guy has a record. It turned out to be a pellet gun, but it doesn't lessen the impact of the threat. Why wasn't he held? at least longer until there's maybe a more formal process at some point or some appearances or investigation into his background. And uh, Joe Cristiano, is it today that we're going to be talking about the fact that a lack of judges is leading to the possibility of people being having their uh, criminal prosecutions? <laughs> You're shaking your head. No, okay. You and I talked about this. Uh, apparently, there's a shortage of judges in Canada. Yes. I think Jerry was talking about this yesterday. Um, and because the Supreme Court ruled some time ago that if you can't get to a criminal trial in 18 months, then basically, thanks a lot for coming out, off you go. Uh, there we're, we're facing the prospect of more and more people not actually facing trial, even on very, very serious charges. We are speaking with a lawyer, though, to discuss the guy being out on bail when he was already out on bail. All right, good. So that'll be a person who can give us a bit of a better reference on whether or not he deserved bail. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Thursday. 5.39 is the time, 14 degrees and... We, well, actually, I mean, it's not restricted to Toronto. As a matter of fact, in some respects, I think we're getting off lightly. Ottawa apparently now has the worst air quality of any major city in the world. I know some people snicker at my description of Ottawa as a major city. I actually like Ottawa, though, I, I will say. Maybe it's just because I've got a whole bunch of good friends there. And I'm a wonk. I like going to Parliament Hill. I like watching... Uh, the House of Commons. I like watching, well, I don't really like watching the Senate. Sometimes I just pop in and think, what are you old people doing now? Um, but back to air quality, uh, New York, and I would imagine Boston. Nobody's talking about Boston, but the smoke has to cross over Boston to get to New York, doesn't it? And um, it's it's a, quite the situation. And so today is expected to be not a great day. And we don't have to necessarily be in panic mode. I think we've spent enough time in panic mode about all kinds of things. But at the same time, this is very much a circumstance for pretty well everybody, but especially anybody with lung ailments. So in the House yesterday at Queen's Park, Merritt Stiles, the leader of the opposition, was pointing out that these fires are very much attributable to climate change. Speaker, it's science, right? This is no ordinary fire season. People are worried that this is our new normal and Where? they are scared. In the GTHA last night, the air quality index was among the worst worldwide. And in the Ottawa region, the index was above a level 10, which is about as, as high as it gets. 
While people closest to the fires are being evacuated, school children in our largest cities are being kept inside, and people with medical conditions are being told not to go out. This is not normal. Speaker, with the very real impact of climate change being felt by millions of Ontarians today, will the Premier reverse course on Order. his plans to pave over the province's largest carbon sink, the Green Belt? All right, well, here's what Doug Ford had to say, which was to chastise the opposition leader for politicizing the fires. Mr. Speaker, I'm, I'm actually in shock that the leader of opposition is politicizing wildfires. It's, it's, it's staggering, really. But nothing surprised me with the opposition. We're taking steps to make sure we're prepared since 2017 with increased spending on emergency fire preparedness by more than 37%, Mr. Speaker. We have 142 fire ranger crews, which are the best in the world, ready to go right across our province. And we have a fleet of 28 aircraft that uh, fight these fires, including nine heavy water bombers. My number one goal is to make sure the communities and the people are safe here in Ontario. We will spare no expense to make sure that we support our firefighters and our communities. And you know, one of the problems when it comes to discussing climate change is that it is absolutely impossible to attribute any one weather event, or in this case, fire event, to climate change. And that's actually, for those people who want to continue to deny that climate change exists, they're tearing a page from the tobacco industry. Because back in the day when people would sue big tobacco, individuals would sue big tobacco for uh, cancer, big tobacco would say, it is impossible to prove that your cancer came from cigarettes. Now, when you get it into aggregated populations and you realize that cancer rates amongst those who smoke versus cancer rates among those who don't, you can pretty easily prove that there is a link between tobacco consumption and cancer. But again, you cannot prove an individual case. And as a matter of fact, it's even tearing a page from uh, the taser industry because people will sue ta the taser corporation because somebody who got tasered by police suffered a heart attack and died. And I think the last time I checked anyway, which was probably about a year ago, but not one single case had ever been proven because taser would always argue, can't prove it. You can't say that this guy died because he was tasered. So we can argue, you know, and because I'm inundated with messages from people saying, well, what do you, you know, a lot of these fires were started by arson or started by somebody with a careless campfire. That's not the issue. The ignition point is not the issue. The extent of the fires is the issue. And so far this year, it is unprecedented. We have never had fires like this. But I guess, you know, if you want this to be the new normal, where kids can't go outside for recess, where you step outside of your house and it smells like a campfire, where, you know, New York City is shrouded, the, the sky looks like, is the, like the color of urine. Uh, I guess if you don't mind that being the new normal, and I don't know what it's going to be like 10, 20 years from now, then knock yourselves out. Um, okay, so we're going to do traffic and weather, and then I'm going to hook up with our friends at CP24. And just enough time to tell you that if you want to snap on the television, I am wearing a snazzy new shirt that I got from Tom Mahalik yesterday. 
I went to see Tom Mahalik because it was his birthday. I just wanted to say happy birthday, Tom. And next thing you know, he's handing me a shirt. I said, this is, this is a little perverse. You know, it's your birthday and you're giving me a present. He said, no worries. I like doing this. And that's Tom. Tom loves giving stuff away. Okay, it's time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good to see you. Nice to see you. And listen, I know we're going to talk about smoke, but uh, just to sort of segue from Bill's weather report, mm -hmm. how bad is it out there? Bill canceled our golf game this afternoon. Aww, yeah, I yeah. know. I know you were talking about that, John. And I was saying, you know, we can see you now through television, but if we're outside in a couple of hours time, we may have to sort of clear some haze <laughs> because, yeah, the smoke we've been seeing in New York City, we're going to get, I don't know if it's going to be quite that bad, but we're going to get some pretty significant smoke here today as well. We are. Uh, it could be the worst day we've had so far with the uh, wind vectors, but I mean, this is just continuing for fires in northern Ontario uh, and also in Quebec. It seems that the Quebec fires are the ones that are perturbing New Yorkers. And if you guys have friends in New York, people have probably been sending you images that they've captured. Mm -hmm. It is just absolutely extraordinary. Around 2 p.m. yesterday afternoon, the visibility was probably only about 200 meters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. And these images are really giving me deja vu of my days in Beijing, China, when every day mm -hmm. you look out the window and that's kind of what it looked like most days. Uh, turning to the Toronto mayoral campaign now, John, Mark Saunders kind of changing tactics. He's throwing, you know, or putting all his weaponized eggs in one basket against Olivia Chow. And he's coming on our show at 730 to talk about that. Yes, he is appearing on your show this morning, and uh, this is, you know, a tactic that comes into play. Here we are uh, at the end of the first week of June, and the election is happening, uh, happening on the 26th. Mark Saunders is not only trying to throw everything he's got at Olivia Chow, but he's hoping the other candidates do as well. Now, we've already seen in the debates that she is the primary target, um, but he actually started a website called StopChow.ca. Wow. Well, we'll see if that can sort of change anything in this race here, because so much of it seems baked in with the latest numbers, John, as you well know. So we'll see for that and see what Mark has to say to us today. In the meantime, speaking of the mayoral candidates race, mm -hmm. John, the man who allegedly threatened to shoot mayoral candidates, never anybody specific, but more of a general threat, has been released on bail. Yeah, this is uh, Junior Francois Lavages. He's 29 years old. He has priors, so a lot of people are wondering why he was freed on bail. Now, there are conditions. He has to be, uh, he's essentially under house arrest while awaiting trial. He has to be with a surety at all times. But still, a lot of people wondering what the heck is going on when mm -hmm. somebody with a pellet gun allegedly threatens to kill mayoral candidates and they get out on bail with a ma within a matter of days. Yeah, a bit of a head scratcher there. Uh, and I bet people with variable rate mortgages who are locked into them are kind of, uh, their anxiety definitely going up after the Bank of Canada ends the pause on their hikes, raising their uh, policy rate by 25 basis points yesterday. For some people, this was a surprise yesterday. I had thought that it was probable because the economy continues to grow, and that's great news, except that it's growing too fast and we have to battle inflation. So, yeah, the new rate is 4.75%. We often talk about, as you just did, uh, how this is uh, a menace to anybody with a variable rate mortgage, which is what I have. Mm. But at the same time, other people's mortgages come up for renewal, you know, uh, mm. at the end of this year, or, I mean, it's on a regular basis, people are renewing their mortgages. And so those people are facing a bit of a threat in terms of how much they have to pay to keep the house. Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's tough times indeed, John, no doubt about that. Really quickly, RBC Canadian Open teeing off today, some CanCon in contention. 
There is. Uh, let's see. We got Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Taylor Pendrith. I think a lot of people are watching uh, Rory McIlroy. Mm -hmm. Uh, not only because he's the defending champ, but also he gave a press conference yesterday where he was asked about the live merger with PGA, and he's a little bitter about that. Mm. Um, one of the questions I have, actually, is whether or not the smoke, which is where we started on this yeah. report, is going to be affecting the Canadian Open. Yeah, those white balls will sort of have to hustle to find them in the haze there somewhere. <laughs> it's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, the right. caddies will have their work cut out for them, no for guys. sure. <laughs> that little line on the TV is going to be as important as ever when we follow the ball flight. Okay, John Moore, you can catch him on Newstalk. 10, 10, 5 to 9, Monday to Friday. Always appreciate the time, John. Thanks. Thanks. That's our friends Nick Dixon and Jennifer Shung over at CP24. And I'll certainly be watching the Canadian Open. I've heard from a lot of people ask me if I'm going to go to the Canadian Open. Maybe I'm missing out on something. But I, I actually love being able to sit on the couch at home, maybe with a beer, and to watch golf as the cameras switch from one hole to another. I, I've been to some live golf events. I went to one at Summit Golf Club where there were four elite players and there were probably about 200 of us as fans and we just followed them along. And I just thought, ah, you know, this is a long walk and this is kind of boring. And when I think of how I would conduct myself if I was at the Canadian Open, for example, I mean, what do you do? Do you watch? everybody putt on one hole? Do you watch everybody drive on one hole? Do you walk along and try to follow the whole thing? I'd rather watch it on TV. So no, I am not going. And our old friend James Laidlaw, who used to be a pundit here and makes his uh, living in golf simulators, uh, contacted me a couple of weeks ago and said, listen, they're recruiting volunteers. And I thought, yeah, it might be interesting. But then again, you know, if I end up the guy in charge of handing out water bottles on the third hole, I don't know necessarily that that's going to be all that much fun. So Canadian Open starting today. And as mentioned, sun's coming up now. So I guess very soon we're going to have an appreciation of just how smoggy things are out there. Uh, some people sent me some spectacular photographs. My friend out at Angus Glen sends me a sunrise photograph every day and the sun was just this very orange ball in a hazy sky uh, around this time yesterday morning. But if you want to report in, I always appreciate the intelligence that people listening at any given hour can offer us about what's going on out there. Because like I said yesterday, I don't have a bead on the horizon for sunrise. So I can't see whether or not there is something spectacular or worrisome happening out there. So uh, speaking of the hazy conditions and the smoke and particulate and all that stuff, uh, Nick Marano, throw a number 23, our old friend Ryan Bird at the Toronto District School Board. Uh, he's talking about how kids are going to stay inside for the most part at uh, TDSB schools. And if there's one hangover benefit from COVID, it would be that we installed HEPA filters in classrooms. And so those are coming in very handy with smoke. As long as there's supervision in place, we want to make sure that if students want to stay inside or are experiencing symptoms and really do need to come inside, that that option's available. So we're trying to keep all options available as much as we can. So those HEPA filters will be humming today. Uh, just make sure that we're trying to provide as clean air as possible. 
Okay, so back to uh, Bank of Canada interest rates, and I can certainly appreciate, you know, Frank Leo and I talk about this, uh, the number of people who have to renew their mortgages, and they laid a bet when they bought their houses, and they said, okay, this is what my mortgage payment is going to be, and I don't want to be insensitive, because I realize this is all about the place where you live, but at the same time, you've got to build a buffer in if you are getting into the real estate market. And interest rates were never going to always stay as low as they were. As a matter of fact, you know, with the interest rate going to 4.75% yesterday, that's the central bank rate. So obviously other people are paying more than that at the bank. But these are not abnormal. Over the last 50 years, interest rates, I think we got so used to the fact that after the great crash, that interest rates were going to be almost nothing, almost insignificant, that people think 4.75% as a central bank rate is aberrant when it's completely normal. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.